Not long ago, in a far-off corner of a place called the Internet, a revolution was born. Forged in the fires of common experience, the survivors of a mysterious movie known only as A Talking Cat came together. Their purpose, to dissect this fascinating failure of a film and broadcast their findings through the cosmos in hopes that future generations might learn from their mistakes. Some would call them heroes, others would call them mad, but despite the grueling road ahead of them, the group would take up the Sisyphean task and become a talking cast? Are they adventurers, sinner as a savior's or Are they demented, love the punishments, I can't be sure But one thing I do know is that the mission here to force To make your life so hard that you'll be pissing on your kitchen floor Welcome to A Talking Cast, the A Talking Cat podcast that nobody ever asked for. We're giving it to you anyway. This is episode 65. We're talking about minute 64. And I'm Sarah, your host today. And I have two pretty special guests. This is John McCoy. This is David Kalen. And I am the most special person out there, apparently. <laughs> you are quite a get for the podcast. What? So. Come on now. Well, you weren't originally interested in being on it so you had to ask <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't so much that i wasn't interested so much as i had no real idea what what this was and still don't entirely but i'm i'm you know i'm, oh, I'm happy to have a baptism by fire that's fine this is this episode uh talks about minute 64 of a talking cat and uh we might as well, I guess, get into it since, you know, there's a lot that goes on oh, yeah. in this minute. There's tons of stuff. <laughs> I timed it, and we have 20 seconds of establishing shots in this 60-second part of the movie. Does that so. does that include the part where you hear the cat, like, voiceover while it's just standing there, or is that considered, like, dialogue? No. That's... I did not. I counted that as action in the movie, because compared to 11 seconds of a beach and nine seconds of the outside of the house it is action that's true he, he also walks yeah. a few steps so that's yeah. or she is it a male or yes. female cat it's uh well it's voiced by eric roberts so i don't know i don't think duffy can be <laughs> constrained by our categories oh that's probably yeah. a fair point yeah gender is a social construct yeah we, and that cat doesn't live in any duffy yeah, duffy exists outside of our society pretty much yes yeah, so we start with duffy probably looking at a laser pointer um <laughs> sorry seeing how the sausage is made here uh and says pause don't fail me now and then he walks out the door and we get a lingering shot of his butthole. It is huge. And it is one. Yeah. Of, sorry, this I I didn't even I hadn't read the script before I watched this, and <laughs> and in the script I don't know if it was you or Darren or who typed it up, but you you make note of the fact that we see this cat's asshole, and and before I read that I saw it on on the screen and was and I watched this at work today which didn't help matters, and it it's just there. It's like a solid half of the shot. The, or half of the yeah. half the minute. It's not actually, but it feels <laughs> like an eternity that we're staring at this. Isn't this the third Anyone? time they've used the shot? At least. Is it at really? Least. This happens a lot yeah. in this movie? Yes. They they reuse every single shot of the cat. And yeah, I mean it's I assume that they like focus on his butt so much so that you don't notice how like dirty and janky the baseboards are. 
Because that's actually the first thing I noticed the first time I watched the movie. It's like, why didn't they wash the baseboards? It right. bothers me. I did not notice that at all. I'm we gonna... can talk about we can talk about Duffy's butt uh, in a minute here. I want to focus in on this line here of uh, "Pause, yeah. don't fail me now," because this is the only time in the entire movie that Eric Roberts imbues his reading with any kind of urgency. And he treats it with such, uh, you know, unironic seriousness. It makes me wonder if Duffy is having some sort of an existential moment here where he feel he fears that Phil and Susan will not get together. And this will cause some sort of a back-to-the-future kind of time paradox because they must give birth to... <laughs> the savior i don't know yeah duffy yes they have to have duffy he has to, duffy has to be birthed from their loins <laughs> no i think that i think that his unironic delivery there is just that's just the art and dedication and talent of eric roberts right there this is the only minute you've seen of the movie right yeah but i've watched enough crappy okay, action movies <laughs> i've watched enough crappy action movies on hbo on friday nights when i was in my like teen years that eric roberts was in <laughs> that i guess somebody paid him a couple grand for uh, and, and, you know, he, he's just selling it, man. That's, that's a guy who really genuinely cares about, uh, what this cat is feeling as he walks out of this open door, which I, I don't own cats. I'm allergic to them, but I don't know why you would just leave an open door for your cat to go roam on the beach. Is that, is that not a concern that it's going to run away forever? Um, well, two points to that. Um, Duffy is not their cat. He is a magic cat that travels from place to place helping people. Um, <laughs> and, and second point, uh, just because don't assume that because we saw an establishing shot of the beach that they're anywhere near a beach. We also know that they live next door to some wooded hills that uh, Phil likes to go walking through to go visit Susan. So it's kind of um, if you've ever read Gulliver's Travels, I picture it as the land that, Gull that Gulliver travels to that floats around. I can't remember which one that is and the name of it. You know, like it, everything changes. They, they don't, they don't exist in time and place as we know it. Yes. Where just anything can exist. See, to me, and again, if this wasn't clear to anybody listening, I'm going to reiterate that I know nothing about this movie because I've watched a grand total of one minute of it. But it seems to me like it's kind of like Springfield and The Simpsons where they just put in every geographic thing that they need for the hell of it uh, to fit whatever happens in the plot of this movie. So we start out with about eight seconds of Duffy, including the shot of his BH, and then 20 seconds of establishing shots before we go back into the house where we just were. And Phil is sitting on his... You don't you don't want to say anything about the establishing shots here? Oh, sorry. Yes, let's go over which establishing shots we had. Uh, we had the <laughs> beach establishing shot. Yeah, the beach was the one that I yeah. thought meant the cat was running out onto the beach. Also, okay, there's yeah. some really uh, touching music that plays during these uh, establishing shots. It has those that kind of plaintive, sunrisey sound. I also noticed that it was very sweet, very touching. A lot of the music in this thing is is all like uh, folk songs and uh, public domain things. It was nice to have a kind of a change here. Yeah. Then we get the palm trees swaying in the breeze uh, for, and that brings us up to thirty seconds into this minute. 
We're um, just we're only just, halfway through this stupid minute. Yeah, and <laughs> these minutes literally, are packed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so much has happened. Uh, and we get back into the house where we were when we started the minute and Phil is typing on his computer and Chris walks in and hands Phil a cup of something. Um, it's probably empty. And they have a nice little father-son chat. Chris asks Phil. This is oh, the first time. Uh, this is the first time in the entire film that uh, Chris has shown any uh, kindness towards his father. This is the first time in the entire movie where Chris hasn't basically just been like fuck you dad and like farts in his face does he literally i again haven't seen this does he literally fart in his face he might as well it's just that level of disrespect that's horrible it's it's as close as you can get to him like saying fuck you dad and farting in his face as you can get in a family movie kids these days it's he has an he's a real attitude problem this Chris, I don't. If I were Phil, I would not have retired to hang out with my son. But you know what's happened in the meantime to mellow him out? He's what's met. That? Uh, he's he's had the 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 big moment in the pool with uh, what's his face? Trent. Yes. Trent. Yes. He has. He shared a he moment. He's realized why he's been so angry all this time, and it's because he was trying to settle for Franny. When really he wanted Trent. Right. Sounds. Okay. Yeah. Uh, by the way, one thing that another thing that struck me as I watched this, and you guys may have talked about this at some point, but what what is with the the father's hair? <laughs> I, I assume I assume this is a topic that came up, but like, so I accidentally ro- watched the wrong minute at first for like twenty seconds uh, when I was trying to watch this earlier, and the first thing that I saw in the minute after this is like the father's head and my thought was like and I thought the cat was sitting on his head I didn't realize that his hair was I guess he just wears is that the style from whatever uh, when is this supposed to take place is it a time non-specific film it's timeless it's a timeless film right okay if you don't know this is uh, the dad is played by Johnny Whitaker who was a child actor back in the 70s he was actually in that live action movie of tom sawyer with uh, jodie foster and he was in sigmund and the sea monsters as the little kid and uh, back in the 70s having a huge shock of red hair was your ticket to stardom of course ron howard just started the whole trend huh exactly and freckles because like his hair looked to me like a shitty version of gary oldman's hair in the fifth element like if it were blonde and I was really taken aback by it. Well, that hair was Johnny Whitaker's claim to fortune. <laughs> that, that was his ticket. Phil has been described many ways by different people on this podcast, but my favorite remains a pile of mashed potatoes um, <laughs> from a recent episode as described by Lan, and it's perfect. Uh, I mean, that is what he looks like. Um, it's He reminds me... Of like silly putty when you would rub it on like the comics and then you would stretch it out. Ah, but only stretching out like the midsection? Yeah. And then you would kind of like crumble it. Like you would just like play with it and be like, oh, how fucked up can I make this look? Mm. And then you get Phil. It's, I was actually 
of, I don't know, maybe like two months ago, I was flipping through channels and I saw an episode of Bewitched that he was on. He played, I think it was like Jack from Jack and the Beanstalk who came to life. And he looks exactly the same, but just stretched out. And it's, he had that like weird same haircut. It was, he's, I guess, just trying to hold on to his youth. I don't know. It's very upsetting in a lot of ways. Hey, time ravages us all, man. So let's get into the real meat of this minute. Oh, yeah. Which, of course, is what Phil looks like. Um, (laughs) But it's also the nice heart-to-heart that Chris and Phil have. It's a real touching moment where uh, Chris says, so you like that woman, Susan. And Phil says, I did. And then Chris advises him that he shouldn't let one little setback stop him from taking advantage of an opportunity, which to me sounds a little bit, because I just watched SVU tonight, sounds a little bit rapey, but... <laughs> wow. You took wow. This, you, you were, took this, <laughs> you were this is a whole different level. What, what was it's this? Actually, Wait, is a talking cat like a forensic drama? What is? I didn't know that. I thought it was a comedy. <laughs> Oh, just keep watching, oh. friend, and you'll see. No, it what watching it, I didn't get that feeling, but then reading the transcript, it's like you shouldn't let this stop you from taking advantage of her. And it's a little like that's an interesting way to phrase that. Well, I also like the uh, the way that he refers to her as that woman. <laughs> I think when he tells him that he should not that he sh- it shouldn't stop him from taking advantage of an opportunity, it's like I can't be you know, 1970s educational film that you had to watch in school about, like, uh, you know, learning what to do when you graduate high school. And this one, you know, somebody's like, I just want to follow this great band around the country. And someone else is like, well, you shouldn't let that get in the way of setting up the rest of your life. There are many great universities that you could attend. You know, something like that. Also, I like how when he tells this to Phil, Phil's just like, all right. Like, he's not... The gravity of whatever this is is not dawning on him. He's just like, yeah, sure, okay. I'm going to go back to fake typing on this computer now. Well, Phil yeah. uh, <laughs> Phil can turn on a dime, his moods. He, he should see a, a psychiatrist about that probably. Right. It's a little bit frightening how like animated he is at this part where he starts like pointing like wildly. And it's, and it's like he's in um, – Yeah, it's very – it's just, it's very out of place. It's very out of character for Phil. He does nothing that animatedly. Does the computer it's... have a picture of that woman on it that he couldn't take advantage of? And he's just like, you know, <laughs> angrily. No, I believe it has a picture of her teenage daughter. So... Oh, that's even worse. Man, <laughs> you you cannot watch SVU before you do this podcast in the future. You shouldn't, I shouldn't watch SVU before I do anything. Are you kidding me? Well, that might it be true. It colors everything you you look at phil realizes that chris is right and he should take advantage of this opportunity to investigate tina's application that catalogs your wardrobe into a database and then offers you what i don't know oh man that is the end of our minute that you have to left in, keep yeah. watching that's how you yeah. that's how you write a cliffhanger right there i mean <laughs> This is a this is great dialogue. Yeah. David Dukatu. I'm blanking on how to say his name. He's an he's just a fantastic writer. I mean, you know, he got his start in horror and thrillers, and you can tell from this minute. Yeah, it is pretty horrible. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> horror movies? 
What are we talking about? <laughs> well, I personally found it thrilling. So. Oh, yeah, I was I, I was riveted. Especially during the 20 seconds of establishing shots. There was that second there when Phil thrusts his hand, you know, pointing <laughs> out there, and there's that forced perspective down to Chris sitting awkwardly on the couch, you know, kind of wrapped up in a, a ball on the couch. And you do wonder if there's, this is like the, Chris knows this is the moment that Phil's reaching for the belt or something. Because it was really, <laughs> wow. Just look at a, a screen grab of that or a, a, a freeze frame of that. It's a, it's a pretty dramatic shot. Does the next minute of it start with him being like, tear me a switch or something? What are you trying to get at? <laughs> I'm just saying it could go anywhere from here. Uh, well, that's but that's great screenwriting. Again, it, is. it keeps you on your toes. You have no idea where the story is going to go. We did it, guys. Yeah, we did something. Yeah. Which is something that, David, you don't get. But what? <laughs> if you watch the rest of the movie, you will. So uh, Maybe I'll consider it. We'll see. This, this okay. was a pretty absorbing minute i'm pretty into it now converted one so this has been minute 64 of a talking cast well thank you guys so much for being on a talking cast it has been great having you want more a talking cast check us out on soundcloud at a-talking-cast on twitter at a talking cast and on facebook slash a talking cast you can also find us on stitcher slash podcast slash a talking cast and don't forget to rate and review us on itunes all right that's i think that's it i think that's the end right there <laughs> good night east coasters get some sleep we'll try good night minute by minute that's so they'll be diving in to shed some clarity on this hilariously failed attempt so grab a friend and crack a beer with them and listen in a talking cast is about to begin it's a that was episode 65 of A Talking Cast. Your host was Sarah Cantor, with guests John McCoy and David Kaler. Edited by Darren Husted. Music by Casey Trimble. Voiceover by John Kowaleski. Artwork by Josh Hollis. Executive producers Sarah Cantor and Darren Husted. Copyright 2015. All rights reserved. This podcast is not affiliated with Rapid Heart Productions. A Talking Cat is owned by Rapid Heart Productions. No infringement is intended. Yeah, really made you think.